Well, good morning. It's fun to be able to share with you guys this morning. As Alex said, we're going to be continuing our series entitled Stories to Live By. And we're going to be looking at another story that Jesus told, like we did last week and we'll do in future weeks. And the story is a top, and it's going to be a story about how to really live your life on purpose. And the topic that they asked me to speak on this week is how to invest your life. So that's the title for today. And as I began to think about this idea of um, just investing your life, uh, I started thinking about the first time um, I was introduced to the topic of just investing, uh, but as it pertained to money. And it was actually my freshman year of high school in uh, this class called Introduction to Business. And it was a really fun class, actually. We got to learn just all this basic life skills on like how to write out a check to like how to balance a budget and how to do accounts receivable and how to do spreadsheets and all this other kind of stuff. Now, for some of you guys, that may seem like the most boring class in the world, but to me, kind of a, a, a business kind of nerd, that, that was really exciting. That kind of actually put me on the trajectory for majoring in business in college and then later on actually working in business before I went on staff with Christian Challenge. Um, but one thing I think that all of us could agree on that was fun about this class is you had the opportunity to make real money while taking the class, uh, which is really cool. Um, they have this thing called the Ticker Tape Rally. Some of you guys may have heard of it before. It was sponsored by the Los Angeles Times. And basically what it was is you got to invest uh, with a group of about two or three people. I think it was for high schools throughout the Southern California area. You would pick a group of about two or three people, and then you invest this hypothetical like $100,000 in the stock market. And you, I think a couple of times in the semester you have opportunities to sell what you had bought and then buy some other stocks if you wanted to trade or if you didn't like what you're already in. And at the end of the semester... Uh, the top three teams got to go to this really fancy luncheon at the L.A. Times, and then they got to split cash prizes, like real cash prizes, if you had earned some of the most profit in those groups. And so my first semester, my group won third place in the state or the area or whatever district it was in, and we got to go to this nice lunch, and we got to split $100, which was awesome for a freshman in high school, <laughs> you know. And then, But then I saw the first place team got to split $300, and so I was like, guys, we're re-entering this next semester. We need to make more money. And so the next semester, we actually won first place, and we got to go to another lunch at LA Times, and we got to split $300. But the best part about it was when they asked me, they said, so how do you want your money? I said, easy, 81s and 120. And so I put the 20 on the outside, <laughs> and I wrapped a rubber band around it. Seriously. And I'd, I'd walk around in high school like a big baller, and it's like, you want some milk? Yes, I do. And I'd pull it out. <laughs> Here's a dollar, you know, and uh, it was it was awesome. Um, now, I tell you that story um, because as I was kind of going down this reminiscing of the victories in high school and the ticker tape rally, um, I began to kind of think about the the similarities um, in people's approach and their the distractions they have, both in investing money, maybe as it pertains to retirement, as well as investing their life. Uh, for instance, um, you know, there's all sorts of things you can invest your money in. I mean, you can invest your money in stocks. You can invest it in bonds. You can invest it in mutual funds. You can invest it in Bitcoin. I mean, there, the, the possibilities are endless. Same with your life, for that matter. People have all sorts of opinions on what you should be investing your life in. Some say, you know, you need to make it about your career. Invest your life in your career. Others, no, 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 it's your family. That's what you need to invest your life in. There. No, not your family. It's your health. Your health is the most important thing. Invest in your health. And there's other people who are like, no, it's financial security. If you have enough money and you're, you have a big enough bank account, then that's what you want to invest your life in. 
And then a second similarity you see uh, in investing your money and investing your life is that the various stages of life that you go through, no matter what stage you're in, there always seems to be distractions and hindrances from actually investing your life and your money. For instance, when you're young, you think, I've got all the time in the world. I don't need to invest. You know, I mean, time is on my side. I'll just do that later. And then as you get a little bit older and you get into some more of the middle age, you start to realize, you know, no, investing is actually pretty important. But I am so busy trying to just keep my head above water with, you know, an increasing size of family and decreasing amount of energy and money. And you have the mortgage and you have career and all this other stuff that uh, you just get distracted. And then as you get a little bit older and you start to get near the final chapters of your life and you start to get near retirement, you face the hindrance of discouragement where you start to wonder, I think I'm a little too late in the game to even start investing at this point. And you start to ask your questions like, is this even going to matter if I do start to invest? Which, as an aside, if that is you, um, if you're in that stage, I just want to encourage you, um, it does matter. And there is tons of stories throughout history where God did amazing things in and through the lives of people who started walking with him in the back half of their life or in the later years. And so I'd encourage you, um, if you're still alive, there are things God wants to do through your life because I don't think God is one to rate, to waste resources. I think if he wanted you up in heaven, you would already be there. Otherwise he's got a plan for you here on earth. Um, and also it's just important to remember, you know, it's people are remember not how they start, but how they finish. So you can have the opportunity to really finish well. Um, and then the final similarity I saw between investing your life and investing money is in the same way that people don't want to get to the end of their life and or get to retirement and have nothing to show for it financially, nobody wants to get to the end of their life and have nothing to show for it that's actually going to last beyond them, something that's going to, to go past their life. But the problem is far too often that's the case. Far too often, both financially and in life, we get to the end and we realize, I don't have a lot to show for this. And I think the problem is not so much that we waste our time and we waste our money on necessarily bad things, although occasionally we might. I think a lot of times it's just that normal life and takes away all these good things, all these necessary things that you have to do, steal away from investing in the most important things. And so the question is, well, how do we prevent that from happening? How do we actually know what to invest in, what actually is important, and how do we keep the focus on so we actually invest in that and we don't get to the end going, uh-oh, I wasted my time, I wasted my money. And so into this predicament, into this situation, naturally, Jesus had a few things to say about this. Um, and the avenue in which he chose to share his thoughts on this topic was through a story. And the story is called The Parable of the Bags of Gold, and it's found in the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. And this story is really great because it's chock full of tons of different life uh, lessons and principles. And But this morning, I want us to read the parable, and I want us to look at three principles it actually speaks to on investing. And then we'll unpackage those a little bit the rest of this morning. So first, let's read the parable. It's um, called the Parable of Bags of Gold. It says, again, speaking of the kingdom of God, because these stories were a series of stories where Jesus explaining what life in the kingdom of God is going to be like. So he says again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went and at once put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. 
But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrust me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. And see, I've gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here, this is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Forever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's the story. Pretty intense. Obviously, God was not very neutral on this topic of investing your life. Um, so what are some of the principles that we can gain from the story on investing your life? Well, the first one here is this. The time to start is now. The time to start is now. Notice what the first two servants who were actually called good and faithful, notice what they did with the money when they were given. It says immediately they went out and put the money to work. It didn't say after they graduated college or after they got married or after their kids were out of the house and they had more time on their hands or after they retired, they put their money to work. It says immediately they went and put the money to work. So the question is, how do you do that? Now, I'm sure these servants, just like you and me, had bills to pay and mouths to feed and things to do, good things, necessary things, but yet they were able to stay focused and to invest the money they were given today and not wait to do it someday. So how were they able to do that? Well, the answer is this. They made it a priority. They made it a priority. And priority doesn't mean instead of. Priority actually means prior to. So Prior to filling up their schedules with all sorts of other activities, they first chose to carve out time in their schedules to invest the money they had been given. In the same way, if we're going to invest our lives, we have to make it a priority and we have to put it in first ahead of the other things that vie for our attention. And the reason the order is so important is because, as many of you know, priority determines capacity. Priority determines capacity. Take a look at this image. Many of you guys have seen this illustration before, but what it is 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 two jars, and they're the exact same size, and they have the exact same amount of big rocks and sand in them. But as you can see, in one jar, it all fits, and in the other jar, it doesn't. And the reason for that is priority determines capacity. See, in the jar where it all fits, the big rocks, the important things in life, they were put in first. They were given first priority. And then the sand, the things that don't matter as much, they are less important. They were filled in around it and it all fit. And then the jar where it doesn't fit, the sand was given first priority. And then the big rocks were put in afterwards and it didn't all fit. And the reason for that is because priority determines capacity. 
So if you and I are going to invest our lives, we have to choose to make it a priority ahead of everything else. That's how you're going to begin to invest your life now. And the second principle we find in this parable on investing your life is this. The only one who will determine whether or not your life was well invested is the one who gave you your life. I'll say that again. The only one who will determine whether or not your life was well invested is the one who gave you your life. And I'll give you a hint who that is. It ain't mama. And it ain't your dad. And it's not your boss. It's not the school you went to. It's not where you're from. And it's not even yourself, surprisingly enough. It's actually God and God alone. His opinion is really the only one that matters on whether you've lived a well-invested life or not. So if that's true, it would be important for us to ask and answer the question, what does God consider a well-invested life? What does God consider a well-invested life? Because clearly from this parable, a well-invested life to God is not a break-even life. He's not satisfied with us just coming into this world with the life that we've been given and that he gave us and then leaving this world with the exact same life and have nothing to show for it. No, God actually wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to have a fruitful life, and there would be something that's gained as a result of the life that he's given us. But the question is, what is that? What does he want us to invest in? Well, to answer that, we actually don't have to look any further than the life of Jesus and looking at what he chose to invest his life in, and then what he later on commanded his followers to invest their lives in. And that being people. A life well-invested as a life invested in people. Look at some of these verses right here real quick. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And in the next verse, in Matthew 20, verse 20, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you see in both these verses, Jesus invested his life in people. And in fact, he later on actually ended up giving his life for people. And then at the end of his time here on earth, Jesus commanded his followers to do the exact same thing. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you see, a well-invested life in God's eyes and in God's economy is actually a life invested in people. So then, the next question you might be thinking is, well, so how? How do I invest my life in people? What does that even look like practically? Well, this is a question, honestly, I've been trying to figure out for about the last 14 years, and over the last eight have begun to get a little bit more clarity on it and... Um, I think it goes without saying I am not actually an expert on this subject. However, over the last eight years or so, I began to see um, some different ways to begin to invest in people and how that works. And so I want to share with you this morning a couple of just practical, easy suggestions on how you can begin to invest your life in others. And I think the good thing about what I'm about to share, I think that'll be helpful for you, is this is really something that can be very dynamic. Really, whoever you are, whatever stage of life you're in, you can do this. This is you don't have to be married or single or you can be a full-time student or full-time, you know, working adult or have kids or not. This is something you can begin to do right now to begin to invest in people. And to help you better remember these tips, I want to explain them using the acronym TIME, T-I-M-E. Uh, to invest in people is going to require time. 
Now the T in this acronym actually stands for time, so it's even easier for you to remember because it actually is in the acronym. Um, you want to begin to get time with others that you can invest in. You want to begin to get in their schedules. And you also want to begin to get in the schedules of people that can invest in you. And the reason for that is is because if you don't have someone investing in you, you're not going to have a whole lot to invest in others, and you're not going to do it very long. So it's important to begin time with both kinds of people. Now, for me, the people I've uh, been investing in over the years, that's changed from different seasons of life. Same with the people I've invested in me. Currently, the main people I'm investing in are college students at USC. And then the main people that are really right now kind of investing in my life um, are my dad, Neil Walker, who spoke to you guys last week. And then I've been getting time with Alex Barrett from time to time as well. Now, when you're seeking to get time with people that you can begin to invest in and that are investing in you, I'd encourage you, focus primarily on regular incremental deposits of time. Just regular incremental deposits of time. Getting large chunks of time together is great if you can do it. If you can get a day together, you can get a weekend together, that's awesome. But, you know, with the busyness of life, the odds of that happening very often just aren't real high. You often don't have that much free time. So you want to focus primarily on just regular incremental deposits of time. And what that does, actually, it allows you to really be more informed as to what's going on in the lives of the people that you're trying to invest in, which allows you to actually be more effective to really invest in their life. And that's actually what we're shooting for. We're shooting for effective investments, not efficient uses of time. It would be more efficient to spend a couple of intensive weekends a year with someone and then just call call it a day rather than spending an hour or two with someone week after week over the course of a year. That's, but doing that is not going to be more, um, it's not going to be more effective for the relationship if you just spend a couple weekends together. And you guys know this, which is why none of you guys have suggested to your spouse or to your kids, hey, you know what? What if we had a couple of intensive weekends together and the rest of the year you do whatever you want to do and we'll meet back up mid-year, you know, and we'll talk about what you've done the previous six months. No, none of you guys do that, which is why, you know, that's not useful. So we want to be effective, not efficient. Now, in order to get time with people that we want to invest in and we want to invest in, it's going to require the second thing in the acronym of time. It's going to require intentionality. Intentionality. Intentionality is really the secret sauce to turning an ordinary day into a strategic day. You want to be intentional to get time with those that can invest in you and, again, that can, you can be investing in as well. And honestly, this does not have to be complicated. It's going to require a little planning, a little bit of forethought, but this is not rocket science. It's very easy. For example, if you're eating lunch on campus or you're eating lunch at work, don't do it by yourself. Eat with someone that you can be investing in or that can be investing in you. Or if you're eating dinner at home with the family, just make a little bit of extra food and put an extra plate on the table and invite someone over to come that you want to get some time with and just let them see your life. Talk to them. Let them see what goes on inside your home. It does not have to be a fancy dinner or a big party. Sometimes like we drum up in our minds, uh, which don't get me wrong. Large group events are great and they have their place. But most of life is going to be passed on through these daily, just mundane kind of things as we get time with people. So if you're exercising or you have work projects to do at home on the weekend or you want to go grab some coffee, look to be intentional and get time with people that you can invest in or that can be investing in you. 
basically, you want to get in the habit of saying, if it's not an activity you have to do by yourself, try not to do it by yourself. Get in the habit of asking yourself the question, who can I do this with? Who can I do this with? So intentionality, that's the second thing needed to invest in people. And the third thing I saw over time that really is needed to invest in people is money. Money. Now, maybe a more encompassing word might actually be resources, but then that give you the acronym TIRE, and that's not near as, you know, focused as time, so I went with money. Um, basically, what I've found over the years is if you're going to have an effective ministry, if you're going to be able to invest in people, you have to be okay with the fact that it's going to cost you money to invest in people and to have people invest in you. Um, and if you're not okay with that, you're either going to have a less invested life or there's just going to be this constant rub where you're like, it shouldn't cost me money, but it does. That's just part of it. Um, for me, what that's looked like over the years with students a lot of times is just from time to time as I'm getting with students on campus, you know, I'm buying them something to drink or I buy them a meal or buy them a snack. Um, I see young Jack right here on the, on the fourth row. One, one of the, uh, I remember the, about, a, about a year ago almost, about this time, you know, one of our first times getting together was at Chick-fil-A, um, and I bought him some fries, and we just got to know each other's stories and just share life together. And that was the start of a really good friendship. You know, it was the best couple bucks I could have spent that day, and it was not that big a deal. But, you know, we, we've, ta- we've talked about that over the last, like, 10 months. So I'm like, yeah, I remember that time at Chick-fil-A? Oh, yeah, good fries, good fries and stuff. And, and so we go back to that. Um, for some of you, it may just be, setting aside more money in your grocery budget just to have people over more often so you can get time with them and you can do life with them. Or it may even be just using other resources like your home or your car to drive people around or let people stay over your house that you want to get some time around. Uh, Or even for some of you, it may even look like foregoing more money or more resources that you could be gaining as a result if you're going to invest in people. For instance, my wife... Katie, who's, who's in the nursery right now, um, she, uh, when we got married, she was working full-time as a nurse, and she was making pretty good money doing it, unfortunately. And uh, after a couple of years in a marriage, we decided that, you know what, if she's going to get more time uh, to invest in girls on campus, that sh- she wanted to just go ahead and cut back part-time. She was already getting time with them, but she wanted to get more. So we said, okay, let's just cut the job in half, work part-time, and then you can spend more time investing in girls on campus. Well, then about three years ago, we had our daughter, Corey, and it started to become evident, you know what, she's going to still get more time to invest in girls. Someone's got to give. So she cut back a little bit more and just started working per diem, just working about one day a week. And then about 10 months ago, we had our son, William, and um, we decided that if she's going to still be able to have time to invest in girls then and take care of her kids, which we figure we're going to keep them, that's a given, um, <laughs> that, you know, she's going to have to cut down on something. So for her, it just was work. And so, I don't know, maybe for you it might mean cutting back some hours if you're going to be able to invest in people, if you just don't see yourself having the time to do it at all right now. Or it may even mean not choosing to climb to the very top of whatever corporate ladder that you're currently climbing so that you have time to actually be able to invest in people. But one way or another, money and resources will be required if you're going to invest in people. Then the E in the time acronym is examples. Examples. To invest in people is going to require examples. It's going to require enough, it's going to require you and me to 
be close enough to people that they can begin to watch and they can begin to learn from our examples, both the good and the bad. We're not talking about just perfect examples here. It's going to require us learning to say, not do as I say, but actually do as I do, because they're seeing your life close enough that they can actually observe things. And likewise, we're going to need examples ourselves, so we're going to need people that we're getting close enough that we're watching their life. And the great thing about examples is you get to observe. Most of the things I've learned in life have not come primarily from hearing people. It's come from observing people. I'll use my parents as an example. So before I ever had uh, money of my own, I began to watch how my parents would handle their money. And one of the things I observed, even from early ages, they spend a lot of money on other people. Like uh, they spend money. I mean, they would set it, spend more money on groceries to have people over for meals. They would, when they go meet with people, they would often buy their meal or buy their drink just as a way to serve them or a way to invest in them. Or they would use the gas in their car to haul people around they wanted to get time with. Or they'd have people staying in our house from a day to a month to years uh, at a time. And so, but that was, I began to observe this. And so when I began to make money and when I got an apartment of my own, it was just a natural byproduct that I used my money and resources in my car in a similar way. It was just normal. I didn't learn this from my parents sitting me down one day and giving me a seminar on this is how you effectively use resources. It was just, I just observed. I watched them, you know, monkey see, monkey do. You know, they did it, so I did it. Um, see, what we're shooting for with this idea of examples, guys, is we want to eventually be able to say what Paul said to the Philippians in, 4, 9, in Philippians 4 9, where he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Or even more simply put, what he said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11 1, where he says, You follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. But if that's going to happen, it's going to require us setting the example for people and actually getting close enough to them for a long enough period of time that they have the opportunity to observe it and to see how we live. And it's also going to require that we're getting time with people that we can watch their life and see how they live. So those are a few practical and basic ways you can begin to invest your life in others. It's going to require time. It's going to require intentionality. It's going to require money. It's going to require examples. Now, I want to warn you, if you begin to do this, you might find your life becoming a little more fun. I just want to warn you of that. If you don't like fun, you might not want to try this. Because honestly, investing in people is a whole lot of fun. I mean, yeah, sure, it's work and it requires sacrifice and yada, yada, yada. But honestly, it's fun. It really is. I, I love, I, I've told Katie that a lot of times, like, I love my job. I love my life. I mean, yeah, sure, it's could always use a little bit of this and that. That'd be nice. But in general, I really like the life I live. And so it's, it's a lot of fun to invest in people. Now, having said that, I'm not naive enough to think that there's not people in this room that are thinking, uh, it doesn't look very fun. You know, the idea of investing in people, I'm not real motivated to do that, Jeremy. Um, you might find yourself tending to uh, be more like the third servant, and you're not very motivated to invest the money you've been given. In fact, you just kind of want to do what you want with it or put it in a hole. And I think the reason for that is, I think a large part of the reason for that is I'd be willing to bet is because of this third principle, this third and final principle we're going to look at in uh, this parable. And the third principle is this. 
and invest in your life. To be motivated to invest for the master requires knowing the master. To be motivated to invest for the master requires knowing the master. Bless you. See, when you look at the assumption of the third servant about the master, where he calls him a hard man, harvesting where he did not sow and gathering where he had not scattered, it's apparent that this servant did not know what the master was like because in the, in the parable, the master is Jesus. That's not what Jesus is like. But who knows? Maybe the servant heard some wrong secondhand information from his parents about the master. Or, you know, maybe he had that professor in college that just said all these terrible things about the master. Or maybe even worse, he met someone who claimed to be a child of the master and he was a jerk. And so therefore he thought, well, that must be the master's like, you know, because that guy said he's his kid. And so uh, we don't know. I mean, the, the, the parable doesn't give us that confirmation, but clearly the third servant did not know the master. And so therefore he was not motivated to invest what the master had given him the way the master wanted. So my suggestion to you today, if you find yourself in that position, identifying more with the third servant than the first two, is you might want to focus your next step on getting to know Jesus, on getting to know Jesus. For some of you, that may be the very first time in getting to know Jesus that you've ever really begun that journey. For others of you, it might be just beginning to reconnect after a long time of disconnect of getting to know Jesus and really begin to know him experientially. And one way you can begin to do that is get a Bible and begin to read one or more of the narratives of Jesus' life, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And I encourage you, as you begin to read those, get with someone here at church that you know knows Jesus and just dialogue with them about what you're reading. Ask them questions about what you're reading and then ask them to share their story about how they began to get to know Jesus. See, what you'll learn is before Jesus ever even asked any of his followers to invest their lives in others, he asked them to be with him. He wanted to get time with them. He wanted to get to know them. He wanted them to get to know him. He wanted them to watch him, and he wanted them to learn from him so that over time, what was on his heart was actually what was on their heart, namely people. So I'd encourage you, rather than just writing off this idea of investing your life in people, back burner that idea for a little bit, and instead, as the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 8, Take some time to taste and see that the Lord is good. Take some time to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, for those of you that have taken time to taste and see that the Lord is good, your next step today may be one of two things, depending upon what you already have in place. Your next step may be that you need to take the initiative, take some intentionality, and get seek out someone who can begin to build into you. You know, maybe it's getting over, uh, getting coffee with them, or getting lunch with them, or help them, helping them do yard work, or helping them babysit so you can free up some of their time so they can spend some time chatting with you, but get some time with someone that can begin to invest in you. Or maybe your next step, if you already have someone investing in you, is begin to look around and figure out, who can I begin to get some time with and invest in them? And let me encourage you, if that is your next step, don't put the pressure on yourself to think, I've got to have all the answers to every single one of their life problems. Because Jesus doesn't put that kind of pressure on you, so you don't need to put that kind of pressure on you. Instead, as Andy Stanley, a pastor in Georgia, puts it, you can't ever fill anybody's cup, but you can be responsible for emptying yours. You can't ever fill anybody's cup, but you can be responsible for emptying yours. So maybe that's your next step. Find someone 
who you can begin to get some time with and you can begin to invest in their life. Now, in closing, I just want you to imagine, what if every single one of us took one of those three next steps today and you fast forwarded several months or maybe in a year from now, you would begin to see a lot of life change happening in this group. You'd begin to see people who actually knew Jesus, who actually walked with him. And as a result, we were intentionally investing our lives in other people while seeking to get people to invest in our life as well. There would be a lot of family trees that are just forever changed, not only in this room, but in this neighborhood, in your work, in your uh, the city you live in. And then eventually there'd be a ripple effect all throughout the world because we took this one idea seriously of actually investing our lives in other people. And if that's not motivation enough, one day, if you choose to invest your life in people, you're going to be standing before God in heaven, and he's going to say to you the most encouraging thing you'll ever hear your entire life. He'll tell you the words of the master, which is, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So I'd encourage you, look at one of those next steps today and figure out how you can begin to weave that into the fabric of your life. And if you have questions on any of those next steps, I'll write that down on the card too, and we'll figure out how ways to, to get with you and help clarify some things. So let me pray and ask the band to come back up, and we will spend some more time worshiping. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you model for us better than anyone. <clears throat> what it was like to invest your life in people. And so you never ask us to do anything that you didn't do first and you didn't do better. And so, Father, would you help us, um, wherever we're at, to begin to take a next step, whether that be getting to know you for the very first time and getting to know what you're like so that what's on your heart becomes what's on our heart. Or begin to find someone that can begin to invest in our life and help us to begin to grow or finding someone that we can begin to invest in and help them grow. Father, would you help us to do that in the name of Jesus Christ? Amen.